Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Raise it up. Raise it up. I'm Adam Minahan. Sitting here to my right is my best bud, David Niles. Cheers. And to my left is a good dear friend of ours from the Diocese of Tulsa in Cheers. Eastern Oklahoma, Deacon Robert Healy. Deacon, it's so glad. I'm so glad to have you on the show for... A, a lot of reasons, but mainly because of our topic today. You're, you're the first person that I've come to and talked and then said, hey, do you know about the principle of the integral good? And you said yes. And you said yes mm -hmm. without even reading the book that we're referencing today, which was like, okay, we got to get you on. That's number one reason. The second reason is if you guys are listening and you're like, Healy, that sounds familiar. What's going on? Yeah, I know uh, that where, where name. Can, where can I, I connect name. these dots? I know that number. Dave, why would they know maybe Healy? Well, the Healy family has appeared on the show a couple times already. First, mm. the first time was when I got a knife. Mm hmm. Ah, uh, yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yes. Little Tim Healy. He's not, not very he's little. Not so little. He's not very little, but he's the little one. He's the young one of the faith. He's, he's the youngest, right? Yeah, he's the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. He's 16. Um, right? He's 17 now. Oh, he's 17 now? Yeah, last year he was 16. That's how that works. Mm. Last you year, know, he every just, year. He every just year. made a really beautiful four-similar uh, knife. Yeah, uh, for our buddy Chad. Combo. Yeah. I know. Chad's, well, maybe, I don't know. We should, yeah, maybe, we're, gonna, we're, maybe we're spoiling his surprise. I'm not going to say anything, but... Yeah. Yes, I <laughs> knew they're all, about they're that. They're beautiful and they're handmade, and so they all have the personality of each knife. But right, so he's turning. He's making really good work. Right, so um, so he was showed, on. showed up. Well, I showed off his handiwork here on the, oh, okay. the Catholic Man Show. I wanted to take the knife and just go boom into the table. I'm really glad like, you didn't check it out. <laughs> but uh, I didn't. I good. resisted the urge. Good, but I wanted to. Okay, uh, but then. Making a bigger splash, as uh, seniors and elders tend to do, um, your father, mm -hmm. Mr. Bob Healy, Mr. Robert Healy, maybe, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the inventor of the, of the, the grill gun. Yes, it's the been a man gun. that is happening. It is happening. It is totally happening. His, his uh, campaign went like crazy. He's yeah. raised over like $200,000 on Kickstarter. It's, uh, it's, it's been, well, it's just... You know, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's, it's totally so, cool. It's really, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want? To, who does not want a flamethrower? Right. And so, actually, when I went to pick up the knife that Tim had made for me, mm -hmm. your dad showed me the prototype, right, and bound me to secrecy. And so I was, 
you know, what? and flamethrowers. Tell are, anybody about right, this? It's like my thing, right? And so all I wanted to do is tell everybody, but I didn't, and it was very hard. And I earned so much merit and grace for it. <laughs> right, you're a better. Except, except, it was, except it now, it was incredible. No, I'm just being honest. Oh, okay. it's, it's, it's pure <laughs> humility. Okay, uh, that I in in which I say that. But anyway. Yeah, we're, but you can go to Kickstarter.com and type in a grill gun, and I'm sure it'll pop up. Right. Um, and if or you, you can go grillblazer.com mm-hmm. and yes, and order one, we'll buy one now. So yeah, do think, it. How do I get one? Because you can still get a discount. Too. I think I think it's really close to not though. I think they've already gone. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this week I saw that there was one. You know, you can get the grill gun, or they have this. He also has a sous vide gun, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which is, is like a smaller, smaller, more compact version. It's not quite as hot, but it's made for searing meat and not just blasting stuff to death with fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get both. There's a combo. They had one left that was with free shipping. But so why would you not get the combo? Is it, is it totally? I mean, if you're gonna do it, let's just get the combo. Totally. Right. Dueling flamethrowers. That's that's yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about a little bit about the whiskey because I haven't even tried it yet. It's very tasty. Uh, this evening we're, we're trying Proper 12, which is an Irish whiskey. Um, for MMA fans, you will know, or maybe boxing fans, you will know that this is uh, Conor McGregor's whiskey that he's put out. Um, and I, uh, we tried it actually at our Spirit and Smokes not too long ago, which, which made me decide to go ahead and get it. Um, let's cheers and then, we'll, and then we'll talk. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. What were your, what are your thoughts, Dave? What are you when your your initial thoughts on the nose? Not a whole lot on the nose that I'm I'm picking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Do you a little, little sweet, little honey? Yeah, a little yeah, a little honey, but it's not overly aromatic. No, or you, even really very some, aromatic. Some grain. You just get some. I'm afraid you got to really put your nose deep into the glass, which typically you don't want to do because you'll get too much alcohol vapor in. You won't be able to actually smell the right things, right? But in this case, you kind of have to. The ta- on the it, the flavor is really good. Mm-hmm. It's a very it's a very easy, you know, it's very easy going whiskey. Uh-huh. Uh Very orthodox stance of a whiskey. Sure. The one critique I would say is that it's got a short finish. Okay. The proper twelve. So so what Conor McGregor did, you know, he he rose to fame big time through MMA and and then you know fought. Uh, Floyd Mayweather in boxing. What he did was he decided I'm going to start. I'm going to get into the Irish whiskey. Him being Irish, and so he wanted to do it the right way. And so what he decided to do instead of like being the face of an already existing distillery, he decided no, I'm going to go buy a distillery and then and create my own whiskey. And so what he what he did was he bought his own distillery and then he hired a Bushmills Distillery Master. Let me, do you know? Did he buy a distillery or did he build a distillery? Because those are different things. Yeah, I'm not positive if he if he built one or if he bought an existing one that was out of commission. Okay. Yeah. Well, if it's out of commission, that's that's I'm not that's posi- fine too. I'm not you know? positive. So it's just different if like you've got one they're already making whiskey and you just buy it and put your name on it. You know what I mean? Like right. That's not quite as cool. Right. Uh, so, but he wanted to do it the proper way, is what he said. I want to do it the right way. So he he, he uh, took the master distiller from Bushmills and hired him. So if you like Bushmills, especially the, I think the white label, if I remember correctly, it's very similar to this taste. Uh, but the 12 in proper 12 is the 12th district that he used to live in growing up. So he wanted to kind of give it his, his heritage, his his tradi- you know, his family's tradition, part of the bottle. How come so, there's no there How come there's no English whiskey? Have you ever heard of an English whiskey? Well, Bushmills is is from the UK. 
Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you just said that. Yeah, I did not know that. the the uh, The thing about the bottle is very interesting, though. Uh, the tiger with the crown. I believe Conor McGregor actually has a tattoo of this uh, on on him somewhere. But you know, for it being a a fighter's, you know, it, it looks a lot more. Uh, cla- it looks like a classy bottle of whiskey. It doesn't look yeah. like a mm. Like he's it's a, got like the Gaelic oh. piping here. Uh, it's a very like here on the edge of the bottle. It just seems like that it would if he was going to be promoting it like as a I'm a fighter, I'm a boxer. He it wouldn't be as a classy of a bottle. What are you? What are your thoughts, Deacon? No, I think it's a. He's not not trying to make it out just like it's a an MMA right. drink. It's, right. He wants to take, he wants to be real. It's an Irish to, whiskey, and this is. Got a longevity behind it. I think the, the logo mm-hmm. is kind of designed to make it mm-hmm. bring that out. What's the uh, what's the price point on this? It's actually very reasonable. It's under thirty dollars. That's what I thought. I thought I remember that it was very inexpensive mm-hmm. for the money. I think it's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be one of those. Wow, it's not super so complex. It's, it's in the twenties, is what you're saying? Yeah, I think it's. I think it was like twenty six or twenty eight dollars. Man, for for that much, this is great. I would, I would, I wouldn't want to pay forty for it. No, you know, because it's not like it's not a super complex whiskey, but it's a nice sipping whiskey. Uh, if you're not looking to like really just soak in every single tasting note that that is out there, and you're just kind of wanting to sit on the back porch, you know, yeah, pray a little bit, I mean, watch the sunset or whatever, just be a nice little whiskey. Sure. To have. Yeah, and even if you want to put something on ice, right. I, I wouldn't be afraid to put this on ice. No, I don't think it's going to offend offend anybody if you do that but also it's it's great to serve neat so uh do you do you drink obviously you are right now but do you normally drink with ice or or not ice um, well, with whiskey depends yeah yeah depends. i i don't object to either okay you're you're a fan of both yeah <laughs> very now, some very like pauline you said, of you like you said there's some uh, there's some whiskeys or yeah scotches that you it they taste a lot better if you drink it neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I think if it's over, if, if you're getting close to $50 a bottle, as a rule, not as a hard and fast rule, but mm-hmm. as a rule of thumb, stay away from the ice. Right. If it's super hot outside, maybe drink something else. You know, if, you, if you're just looking for a cold beverage, mm-hmm. just don't pick that one. Right. I think that this, the proper 12 will get better as time goes, just because, you know, it's a brand new uh, whiskey. And as time goes, he'll have more whiskeys that are they've been aging longer. To me, it just doesn't taste. I was wondering good. about that. If it's gonna, if they're gonna start putting out older, if it's gonna get older as it, as it goes on, or yes, I if think this th- is just the way it's gonna be. No, I think that's there's here's the staple, and there's gonna be obviously. So it'll get more expensive too. It will get more expensive. Yeah, but and I, and I think that's why there's kind of more. It's more simplistic in a whiskey. In the whiskey, um, it's not gonna ko you. Yeah. You see what I did there? Yeah, well, McGregor's not very good at that. <laughs> well, he is. Just not in boxing. Just not recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just not recently. But uh, it's, People give him a hard time, but he's not a boxer. Right. You, know, he, it was a, I, you know, it was a bold thing right. to go and fight somebody who's the best in their sport. Who's been at the in best a sport a that's time. not your sport, you know? Yeah. Well, he made a lot of money he doing got paid, so. He got paid handsomely, yes. He made a lot of money doing so. But um, So when we get back... We're going to just jump right into the topic because there's a lot to talk about on the principle of the integral good. We're here with Deacon Robert Healy. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and our guest today, Deacon Robert Healy. Hi, David. Hello. <laughs> thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for being here. You're doing a great job so far. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. Just really it's nice to know it. you're doing a really good job yeah. when you're sitting there. Thank and, you. And just oh, you're just okay. I thought you were saying that about me, great. but I'm doing fine. I'm sure. Don't worry. No, you're doing great. <laughs> okay, so Adam, what are we talking about today? This so, is your this is your topic. Yes. So I the principle of the integral good. That the is, principle of the integral good. Yes, yep. that's the topic that we're going to be talking about today. I have been wrestling with this topic for at least a year. Okay, and so would you say that you're like Conor McGregor? No, no. Okay, just just no. That is not. You what said I, you know just just checking. No, At, like I, I this this principle has been I've been wrestling with it mentally and just reading about it and trying to talk to people about it. Boxing with it. Mm-hmm. Yes. the The problem is is there's I'm I guess I'm just a nerd or a dork and not a lot of people know about this principle and so when I bring it up, I'm the one having to try to explain what the principle is, which I'm not very good at. So. It's hard to have the conversation, hard mm-hmm. to get the conversation going. Yeah. Um, we had a great conversation with Dr. Malosh. Yes, Malosh. Uh, what was that? The other day? On this principle. Sunday. Sunday. Um, but so let, let, let's begin how we normally define or, or give the analogy of the prin- integral of the principle. Well, before you, why don't you just give good. a brief definition of the integral good? Because the, the analogy doesn't make sense if you don't know. So, or why don't we let St. Thomas yeah, do it? Yeah, St. Thomas does it really well. Okay. In, in uh, this is secunda secunde of the uh, the second part of the second part of the Summa Theologica. In uh, question ninety two, article two, reply to objection one, he quotes Saint uh, quotes Dionysius, uh, says, "Good results from a cause that is one and entire." Good results from a cause that is one entire, whereas evil arises from each single defect. So the, the definition of of the principle of the integral common good then is is this aspect that that good comes from this integrality, this a wholeness of of good, mm-hmm. and evil is not a wholeness of itself. It's a defect. It's something missing, something lacking in in some particular character yeah. of that. Uh, that, that's that's taking away from the wholeness and the completeness. Mm-hmm. Right. So the 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 analogy that we, that we give that we start out with. Okay. Well. Um, so basically, it's that. Just let me just sum up what you guys just said. That if there's one thing bad in a thing, then the thing is bad. I mean, it's not. Well, it's not good anymore. It's not whole. It's, it's not, not whole. whole. Right. Okay. Um, so the analogy that. I, my mom used to use this analogy right. on us. Even even in like I remember this in, in like, like grade school and stuff yeah, about we had movies. Like, uh, what was it? Small faith group. She uh-huh. used this quite often. Yeah, right. Um, because she, I mean, we would be watching a movie, and my mom, I think, like probably many moms, had this uncanny ability to walk into the room at the one. Bad part of a movie. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and even my dad would be in there going, "You really did just walk." I mean, the the whole movie's been fine until you walked. You know, right. uh, some people have a knack for, and moms uh, very often it's like God drives them into the room right at the moment when they need to see something. Like that. Uh, what right. are you watching? Right. What yeah. is this? No, no. That that's exactly what she would do. So, 
she would use this analogy like, oh, well, it's just one bad scene. Okay, well, I'm going to make some brownies and I'm going to put just a little bit of dog poop in it. Just a little bit. I mean, just one little piece. The rest of the, you know, most of the brownie is fine. And do you want to eat them? And we would say, no, I'm not going to eat dog poop. You crazy. And so the analogy is like, well, that's what you're doing with this movie. You know, while the whole movie might be, the rest of the movie might be fine. The fact that it has this one bad scene makes the whole pan of brownies bad, so to speak. Which we'll talk about at the end of the show. Uh, we'll get into movies because this is something that has really frustrated me in, uh, on this topic. We should have made brownies. That's what we should have done. <laughs> but when I was giving you this example, we, I had you over for dinner not too long ago. And when, right. when, I, when we were talking about this, you gave me a different analogy that I really liked. Which I think the analogy... I like to use this. I think it's a little more helpful because, first of all, brownies aren't good for you anyway. I mean, they're delicious. Oh, they're delicious, oh, but they... That is one man's okay, opinion. That's a very <laughs> qualified statement as far as, you know, the the uh, nutritional value. Oh, they've got some. Yeah. Milk, <laughs> eggs, uh, you know... Flour. Flour. It's basically bread. It's, it's, it's just bread. <laughs> so my analogy that I like to use is that there's a lot of nutrition in a poison soup. Uh huh. I mean, the meat is very healthy. The potatoes are really good for you. The the carrots and the broth and the and the parsley, whatever you, whatever you're sticking in the soup is really good for you. And you would add some arsenic, some cyanide, some mm-hmm. even if it's just drops in there. Yeah, even if it's just a little bit, where it's, it's not going to kill bit. you, but slowly make you sick yeah. over over time. What happens is it first goes in, and right where it is, is infecting that. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, if you were to quick grab some out of the bottom of the pot, it would still be okay. It, like it hasn't gotten down there and, and corrupted it. But the the longer the soup sits in the presence of that of that poison, the more it saturates the entire thing um, and actually corrupts the meat and the potatoes and the carrots in, in a way because of their proximity to this and because of the fact that they're no longer able to be it's not a whole soup anymore. There's a defect there. And the defect doesn't always have to be something missing. Uh, sometimes the defect is something that's there that shouldn't be. Uh, it's a defect to take a, a, a staple gun and shoot yourself in the foot with it because now there's something in your foot that shouldn't be there. And to- that's a defect. Totally. totally. So not that you've done that recently. I have not. That's good. I hope not to. I hope to you avoid. might not be here. I hope to avoid doing so. Again. So there's there's different types of goods. There's there's St. Thomas lays out that there's three different types of goods. There's the ontological good, there's the the physical good, and uh, there's a moral good, which is also this you can fall into the spiritual good as well. Let's talk about the ontological good because I think it's important that we we talk about these goods before we ontological as in the being. Right, the metaphysical reality of, of the fact that this thing is. It's better to exist than not exist. Right. Yeah. Even in this sense. Right. Even in hell, it's better that... Right. That's what St. Thomas says, that it's better to exist in hell than to not exist at all. Right. Which, personally, I, you know, it's like, I think it's debatable, but, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll take him at his word. Yes. Right. But it's a, it might not seem good. Right. Yeah. Seems like it would really suck. But the, okay. <laughs> but existence is a better thing than non-existence. Yeah. And so the, even, even the fact that uh, the devil exists is... Uh, maddening to him mm-hmm. because his existence is a good thing that God has given him and sustains. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a way that even he can't make himself not exist. Yeah. Right. Points to the the evil of birth control because 
think of all the people who do not exist now that God really saw maybe it was part of his plan, and their fate is worse than hell, according to Thomas, mm-hmm. because they do not exist at all. That's a side note. Yeah. We can carry well, on otherwise. A, it's a profound point. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's a, the physical good, which is also the natural good, the existence mm-hmm. of, pe- you know, the, the physical forms of things. Right. My arm is meant to bend like this, not to bend the other way. If the it did, I would, I would right. probably faint. or so, I don't know what I would do. If it started bending the other way or your head started spinning the wrong way or something... Right. I would probably come on, dude. Don't admit to that on. I don't know. I, I don't know actually what of, would happen in front of everybody. I could. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but then the, the moral at least thing. at least act tough or something <laughs> yeah, until it I actually would, uh, happens. I know? would probably groan and fall over. <laughs> I would say, "Oh, that's with a cool. crash." <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then there's the the, the, the moral good, right? Uh, which is also considered, you know, the spiritual good as well. Maybe just talk a little bit about that. It has to do with human action. Right. right? Practical, moral, means practical. So the practical, active, uh, how we act, uh, we do something uh, using, our, using our intellect, using our will, using our different faculties, and, and I do something which is not part of the, the whole, part of the, the, the totality of, of, and the goodness of, of God's intention, is there's a defect there, and that militates against really the rest of it because mm-hmm. the good is a whole complete um, ordering. Yeah. Okay, so there's the ontological, the physical, and the moral good. Now, uh, there's distinctions of good, which is the useful good, the pleasurable good, and the, the uh, honest goods. So St. Thomas The useful, the pleasurable, and the honest. Correct. St. Thomas okay. says the, the useful is the good which, by its nature, is ordered towards another good. Okay. I get that. Good? Good with that? If you weren't, St. Thomas. I mean, if you, weren't, if you weren't good with that, I'd be like, well, take it up with St. Thomas. Right. Maybe, maybe to open that up a little bit. What is, it, what is meaning that is a good, by its nature, is ordered toward an, towards another good? Uh, well. I would so, say, what about the... Uh, the pleasure of the sexual embrace is a good ordered towards another good, right? Which is procreation. Yes, but that may be that may fall under the pleasurable good as well. Okay, well, it could be both. Something, sure. Something it doesn't have to be e- one, one or the other. Right. It could be both. Right. And and a good could have multiple. I mean, it could have multiple ends. Sure. Well, we'll take yeah. an analogy of the the movement of the hand the movement of the arm, all of the intricacies of how God has put this together mm-hmm. so that my fingers work the way they ought to. That's ordered towards other goods. It's a good thing in and of itself. It's ordered to other goods. Okay, good. Yeah, that's a better example. Cool. So when we get back, we're going to continue talking about this principle. We'll talk about the book that we're pulling from if you want more information on it. We're here with Deacon Robert Healy from the Diocese of Tulsa in eastern Oklahoma. We will be right back.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sitting here with David Niles and Deacon Robert Healy, we're talking about the principle of the integral good. Now, there's a book out there if you guys are interested in picking up picking up more this book and learning more about the topic. It is by uh, Father Chad Ripperger. Uh, it is put up. It is put up by Census Traditionists Press. Traditionists. There you go. There you go. My my Latin is very good. Um, it's as good as my Spanish. <laughs> But so you can learn more about this uh, topic on this book. However, Father Ripperger talks about at the beginning of this book. He says this book will not satisfy scholars because it doesn't go into depth, and it will not satisfy laity because it'll be too dense. So, so it's just giving a, a warning. Mm-hmm. Yes. So really targeted market there. <laughs> right. Uh, so, I like it. So just throwing that out there to you. If it, if it's a, a struggle for you, you're not alone. I've I've. If your name's Adam Minahan, mm-hmm. I've, I've this struggled book with is this. for you. Right. So you can pick that up. The principle that took good by Father Chad Ripperger. Okay. So we're we're sitting here. We're we're having a nice Irish whiskey, proper twelve. We're talking. We just uh, before the break, we were talking about the useful goods. We're talking about the pleasurable goods really fast and the uh, honest goods. Father Chad, throughout this book, pulls and draws from mainly St. Thomas Aquinas, as he does with most of his talks and, and writings. Um, I guess he's a Thomist, but he's also like a he's a doc, like psych, psychologist. I don't know what. Yeah, what I don't. I don't know. I know he he has a a tome on psychology. Mm-hmm. His book on psychology is just ridiculously huge. It's actually three books in one. Is what it is, uh, and it's a. He he studied psychology according to Saint Thomas Aquinas, so it is psychology and Saint Thomas. It's what Saint how Saint Thomas teaches about human psychology. Hmm. So well, I know he's not really a big fan of modern psychology. No, he's no, not. no. He has things to say about that. He thinks it's a crock. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, oh, so For, and, and he he makes fair arguments. I don't want to just right. like. Right. Yeah, he doesn't I mean, because it call sounds, it a crock. Right. Yeah, but he says here's the problem, and here's the problem. Here's the problem. Yeah. This needs to be dealt with. I think his main argument is that modern psychology does not treat the human person as a body com- soul composite; that right. they simply tr- seek to treat the body and not the soul, and that's mm-hmm. why psychology has such a low success rate. Right. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. Uh, so the pleasurable good uh, should be used. Uh, using the pleasure, sh- we should get. Uh, from the art, the sake of virtue, of knowledge, it should be, uh, it should heighten our intellect. It should, it's not necessarily the pleasure for it, for the end sake of, of being pleasurable, but it's more of, you know, the first time you look at, uh, or the first time you read a beautiful poem, and you're reading it, and you're like, wow, that is just, uh, it just articulate. It's just so, pr- it's just beautiful to read. Mm-hmm. But that's not the reason why, you know, that's not the pleasurable good. It, it's actually because it, it has some sort of truth, some sort of nugget of knowledge. It has some sort of uh, heightened virtuous uh, writing within it, that poem that that's for the end. Does that right. make sense? So the good, the good of taking it is a good thing to take pleasure in eating a really good hamburger. Totally, it, it should should give you pleasure, and that's a good Especially thing. Especially if there's bacon on it. Yeah, it should give <laughs> you even more pleasure. Right. There's bacon on it. Yeah. If I'm eating a hamburger simply because I want the pleasure of eating a hamburger, I'm eating it for the wrong reasons. So that, that, that pleasurable good of getting the pleasure out of eating the hamburger is subordinate to my hunger and the fact that I shouldn't just eat another hamburger when I'm so full 
because I just love the taste. And I just and so I just chew it up and I spit it out. And I take another bite. And yeah. chew it up and so, like well, some and of the ridiculous things we could do, seeking after the pleasure for its own sake rather than accepting the pleasure as a uh, as as a secondary as kind of icing on the top of the cake. Right. I, I think yeah. th- which this, is what icing is for. Right. And exactly. <laughs> is yeah. to give you even more pleasure in eating the cake, which is a good thing. Yeah. You know. And I think when you disorder this, this is what right. causes effeminacy. You know, when you when you disorder this idea of, of the pleasure and you're you're seeking the pleasure for the for the pleasure, you're not willing to do the hard anymore, the arduous work. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You just want the pleasure. Right. Over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could take the whole aspect of the pleasurable good and apply it to movies. A lot of people watch movies simply for the pleasure of it. But is there something deeper? Is there something more purposeful in encountering this story in in watching this narrative play out in front of you with all the suffering and all the the courage and all of the everything else that may or may not be portrayed in it. Sure. Uh, I think that's an application of of this discussion. The pleasurable good. Yeah, they're just not willing to put in the mental energy to contemplate right. those things. And right. Let's just put in another movie. I don't want to think about it. Right. Let's just put in <laughs> And we have some way. movies that are designed just to give you pleasure and then they don't appeal to your intelligence at all. Right. In fact, they have have the opposite effect. Sometimes there's some movies that just take away from your intelligence. <laughs> you walk into the room, it's like... I will never get back this two and a half hours of my like, life. Oh, those are some of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you have the honest good. The good... They uh, used to be, anyway. <laughs> That's right. The, the good... Uh, the honest good is the good which is sought for its own sake and for which other goods are ordered. Mm-hmm. So what would be a good sought for its own sake? Does anybody know? Uh, Somebody G- knows. Jesus. Okay. The answer is... Good sought for its own sake. Another example might be... Jesus um, is always the answer, dude. Right. Yeah, well, he is. <laughs> <laughs> so is the creation that is that created he, yes. him. So, um, you know, I would, I would say that an example of it might be the good of observing... Uh, nature in its in springtime or in in summer mm-hmm. um, taking uh, taking in the reality of of the world we live in and that that's something good in of itself the speculation of the mind or truth maybe yeah mean. mathematics people who are passionate about mathematics study it because there is a, is a there's a good in itself in, in studying the order that God has established in the whole universe okay so those might all be gotcha. Beauty, mm-hmm. beauty, art in general, harmony, order, right, uh, virtue, the Trinity, knowledge. the Holy Trinity, Jesus, yeah. Jesus. See how yeah. I want to. I two upped you though. I two upped you with the Holy Trinity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so you're welcome. So let's take this. The principle of the integral good. There's a, a very small passage. A very small section in this book talking about real, talking about movies and mm-hmm. and for some reason this is what resonated with me when I was reading reading this about the principle of the integral good probably because it's the most pragmatic way of applying it in my opinion for me because mm-hmm. I don't understand it fully so so like for me this is kind of the base level okay I can kind of get this um, so like this is a way of determining whether or not a movie is, is downright good. bad what well, is worthy of consumption maybe is that Yes, whether it's good or not. Because you and I have had this conversation many times. Many times. But it's not just whether it's good or not, because 
it could not be whole in its goodness, but still be worthy of consumption. I mean, you could really make that argument about any movie that it wasn't done perfectly. You know, there was some good, no matter how minute, that might have been missing. You know, or it could have been done better. It could have been a little bit more beautiful. Uh, it could have been maybe a little shorter. Uh, maybe it dragged on. You know, it's like, it, that, that doesn't make a bad movie. But what you're talking about is not just this movie isn't good, but I feel like what you're really bringing up, about to bring up, is that a movie is bad and, it, and should not be watched because of these, because of these reasons. The aspect of a defect. Yeah, the defect, like a the movie defect is ought so to severe. be a wholeness. It ought to be something that's really uh, in unity with the, all of the order that God has established in the world and reality when art reflects reality and imitates reality in a, in a seemly way and in a beautiful way. It doesn't militate against the order that God has, uh, God has made. So when there's a defect, when there's something morally bad, mm-hmm. uh, something where maybe maybe it's not morally bad, but you're taking something evil and you're presenting it in a good light, in a, in a pretty light. Yeah, you're taking it and you're you're twisting and you're distorting. There's a there's a defect there, and and that um, I think a lot of what we're looking at here is like how do you determine where the defect is and and uh, is it worth is it something that that renders this this film something that I should steer steer clear right, of. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so w- when watching a film, there's 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 a thing called simulate simulated acts and non simulated acts. So simulated acts would be an example of like theft or uh, in a war movie killing. You know, you know, if you're in the right state of mind, you know that they're like while watching this movie, no one died. You know, even though it portrays in this war movie that somebody yeah, died. Pop, pop, pop. Oh, 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 yeah, I've died. Right. Blood yeah. spitting out of my yeah, right. n- or, that, or not even any animals died. Right. You're watching Chuck, you're watching Chuck Norris. You're watching John Wayne, something like that. They're all gun blazing. Pow, 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 pow. You know right. no one is dying. New York City just went up in smoke and collapsed because the Avengers are going through it. But New York City is right. still there. Yeah. Right. This is simulated. So it's simulated. Uh there's non-simulated acts, mm-hmm. which are, are things like lust, uh, lustful acts, or taking the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. That you cannot simulate by its very nature of what it is. You cannot... Right. That the person who takes the Lord's name in vain, even in character, is still taking the Lord's name in vain. Right. It's still blaspheming. When a man undresses, and a woman undress, who is not his wife... Undresses and they're in, together under under the bed sheets or whatever. Right. Yeah. You've got together, two two people who you know like, you can't simulate that. Like oh right. well, no, we're just pretending. And you've got this man um, who's under the sheets with probably an incredibly gorgeous woman. It's like, and they're they're both at right. least that's not you know, something like, that can be simulated. Right. Exactly. Right. Which and be- the sin of it is actually enacted by the actor and actress. It's not the same as. Oh, I just pretended I shot you. And right, exactly. Right. And the sin also carries into the audience, the people on the set. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of... So anyway, when we get back, we'll, we'll continue this conversation. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, Deacon Robert Healy. Hey. Hey. All right, so we're talking about the principle of the integral good. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you're ever allowed to see another movie again in your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, somehow, somehow that's how it sounds. The answer is no. Except for terrible Protestant movies. Okay, so we're just... <laughs> I want to because I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that because actually in the book Father Ripperger talks about that. Okay, that, that that's an idea. But before we do, I want to should be a license to make movies, and we should take it away from those people. <laughs> I want to finish talking about uh, non <laughs> I don't know uh, non simulated acts. Yeah, because that's what we were talking about right before the break. Non simulated acts. So we I don't were, mean all Protestants. I just mean the ones who make the terrible Protestant <laughs> movies. Okay, that's all I mean. <laughs> So we, we're finishing talking about the non-simulated acts as far as, uh, you know, you cannot, it's impossible to not take the Lord's name in vain if you're saying the Lord's name in vain. Right. Is that accurate? That's right. Okay. And the same with like the lust, a lustful situation, you know, a, a sex scene mm-hmm. where it's a graphic sex scene on, on the movie, you know, and it's clear, even if they are married in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, what what's happening is, is it's... It's exposed, and so not as only is it a sin for right. the actors, but it's it's, it's it, 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 it the the culpability relies on also the people who are watching it, the, the people right. who are and even all something on the set. that isn't as extreme as an actual, um, you know, action uh, that's you know illicit sexually. Um, some even even just something that immodesty, you know, an actress. On, on screen who's being immodest is not only being immodest to all of the uh, all the people on set and everybody but all the people who are watching the film sure and so uh, she can't say well I'm, it's not me it's the character that I'm playing right is doing that and so I wouldn't dress this way and I wouldn't act this way but um, the character does so you're not really I'm not really doing it yeah and that's it's not simulated Right. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. A good point. Uh, so in this book, I'll, I'll quote it real quick because it, it goes to what you said at the top of this the, this segment. It says some argued that it would be then impossible to make a real life movie of such things like a, a war movie where soldiers are often uh, using all sorts of profanity and vul- vulgarity in scenes uh, where, where they're arguing and things like that. This is simply not true when we view the history of movies in this area. Uh, he says because it's the artistic genius. The artistic genius is the ability to portray things which are horrific, the suffering of those involved and the evils people endured without the need of, to resort in non-simulated acts. So basically, what he's saying is, is over the you know up until the last fifty years or so, movie, that's how movies were made. You know, movies were made yeah. where there was there wasn't any non-simulated acts. You know, they were there wasn't. People taking the Lord's name in vain. There wasn't crazy. Right. There may be a story that has has some uh, immoral action that's taking place, and it's insinuated. You know, they're talking. You know, suggestive sort of things, and they go and they close the door, and and you know something is taking place or whatever that sort of thing. It sim- it, it it simulates it insinuates to your mind that something evil is taking place without putting it right in front of you and forcing you to watch it and wade through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is Father Ripperger saying here? Is he saying that knowingly watching a movie 
take the Lord's name in vain. Use that example. Okay. Knowingly watching a movie that has someone taking the Lord's name in vain is sinful for you to do. Is that what he's saying? He, my understanding. I, I don't. Wanna, I hate speaking for him because he's way Go smarter. Ahead. He's I'll, way smarter than I am. I will right. allow. Read I will the book. Allow, right. Read the book. I'll allow you to speak for him. Go ahead. He says that there, it's a one strike you're out rule. He says if you don't, if you're not aware of there is anything. And then there is something like somebody taking the Lord's name in vain. It should be immediately turned off and put away, thrown away. Not not just put away, but thrown away. He uses the example of let's just say that the, that a husband has a video of his wife that portrays the wife in an evil manner, but it's absolutely hilarious and entertaining. He says the act of of the husband watching the 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 video is offensive not only to his wife but even just having it in and of itself, possessing it, would be offensive to his wife. Uh, similarly, it would be, you, you use that analogy and, and use it with the principle with God, in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it goes back to the principle of the integral good, of there's this whole that is good, and one defect of, of the good, one sliver of, the, of evil, corrupts the whole good. Okay, not, Maybe not corrupts, maybe that's the wrong word, but... Maybe it you casts can... a, it, in some, some sense, it puts the entire thing out of favor. If you're, if you're a movie director and you think it's okay to blaspheme my God, you know, I shouldn't support you. Yeah. And if I'm saying, you know, God, I love you and all, mm-hmm. but I really, I really enjoy movies so much that I'm not willing to, to uh, assess whether this movie is offensive to you. Yeah. I think, I think for me... Uh, in my own movie watching uh, and, and wrestling with this question, uh, I had a face like, okay, boy, is this, a, is this offensive to our Lord? Because I love him and mm-hmm. I don't want to offend him. And if it was offensive to my mom and she walked in and she saw that I was watching something that's actually offensive directly at her, not just offensive to her sensibilities or whatever, but like actually making light of of who she is and and I wouldn't watch it I would pitch it yeah I would pitch it and, and so it comes down to like you know do I care enough about God to to actually act accordingly in the same way yeah so and I think a lot of people will hear this and say okay yeah I mean I hear what you're saying but just because I watch this movie doesn't mean that I don't love God um, and, and I think that a lot of people will feel that way. But we had we had Carlo Broussard here in town a couple of weeks ago, and he gave a talk to our parish. Um, and one of the things, someone asked him a question about, how can I be happy in heaven knowing that possibly one of my children is in hell? Or possibly, you know, if someone, a loved one, a loved one is in hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that he mentioned is that on this side of the veil, we have no, we don't see how terrible mortal sin is. We fail to comprehend the gravity, the, the true gravity of mortal sin and just the absolute wickedness that it is. The thing that's actually so deadly right. that it's mortal. Right, exactly. That, I mean, there is nothing worse. You think yeah. Satan is bad? Mortal sin is worse. I mean, he wants you to commit it because it's worse than himself. Otherwise, he would just afflict you with himself right. all the time. It's something that I can do that is capable of snuffing out 
God the love of in God your in life. My heart. Right, exactly. Wow. I mean, so I just think that's important to remember when we're sitting here talking about this. It's not a, a trifle. Right. You know, when we're contemplating what kinds of things am I going to imbibe? Because the things that we watch, hear, and see become the things that we think about, the things that we the things that we become, you know, you mm-hmm. are what you eat. And there's, the, and this is a, a principle of education. We talked to Andrew Pudua recently about uh, education. And um, a child becomes what he sees and hears. He thinks about those things. And so that's the same for us. You know, if we fill our mind with these types of entertainment, mm-hmm. then it will poison our mind. Even if, even if we have, uh, you know, sincere intention mm-hmm. and think, Oh, you know, I, I know that's bad, and I, I reject that part of the movie. I simply choose to reject that part of the movie. Um, and I understand that that part of the movie is bad. It doesn't matter. It's still, you're still imbibing it. Right. When we experience sin, whether it's our sin or somebody else's, when we experience mortal sin, we have a responsibility in some sense. Uh, something Father John Harden talks a lot about. We have a responsibility to do reparation uh, in reaction to that. When I... When I hear about some uh, some uh, horrific crime that's been committed somewhere in the world, and I hear about this, I, I I'm not capable of just saying, "Oh, what a shame," mm-hmm. and going on with my life. In some sense, I need to I need to stop and do reparation for that because it's been brought to my my mind, and now now either uh, I'm in a position of doing something with that, either saying, "Yeah, it's not a big deal," because that's what I. That's kind of what I say when I just walk right off from it. I think in some sense, if I were to, you know, maybe I say I'm not going to use vile and vulgar language and talk about rude, crude stuff. But if I hang around with with people who use vile, crude language all the time, even if I'm saying I hate that, I don't know why they do that, I, I'm not going to participate over time hearing it because of every time I hear it and I don't actually act against it, I, I implicitly say, you know, it's all right for you to do. I'm not going to do that, but it's okay. Uh, and, yeah. and, and the result is that I get so used to it that, that I don't even realize how, how bad it is anymore. For me, uh, vulgar language is incredibly... Um, Contagious? Can, that's the exact word. High yes. five. High five. That's the word I was looking for, contagious. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, around, not about vulgar language, I was just high fiving about contagious. Yes. Yes. Okay. So thoughts that come up to your head when you're right. Yeah. So if I'm around somebody like there's people in my office who they can't go a couple sentences without dropping the f bomb. Uh, it's just you know it's just like salt and pepper on the on the food. You know they just throw it in all the time, and it, it's if you spend time with them, it's difficult. You catch yourself, or I do about to say these things later on you know and it's like man well i think that this principle if you think about it i know it's gonna be challenging i know people are gonna disagree with this just mm-hmm. from from what this principle is but just at least contemplate it if you're interested pick up the book because it, it, he articulates it way better than we do um deacon healy it's a blast i appreciate you hanging out with us this evening this is cool thank you for having me on we're on the lord's team the winning side so raise your glass and, and cheers. cheers to jesus